Do we still need to think about the trade deadline? And what exactly will a 60-game season mean for innings eaters? Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have not had the three go-throughs yet. It works great in a fantasy I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Wednesday, June 24th. I'm Al Melkier, and I'm here with Derek Van Riper. And uh, DVR, we uh, were supposed to have uh, everything kind of all tied up by uh, 5 o'clock Eastern on Tuesday uh, as we're recording this on uh, Tuesday evening. Uh, we do have a report that the players have agreed to report for Spring Training 2.0 on July 1st, but apparently they're still uh, working out some uh, of the final uh, health and safety details. So um, let's just uh, push forward here as if this is going to happen. Um, let's let's start with the, another news item here. Chris Cotillo tweeted on Tuesday that the trade deadline is expected to be on August 31st. So does this change uh, the way that you're going to evaluate players knowing that, or maybe not knowing, but assuming that there is going to be a trade deadline and it's going to be, pretty much smack in the middle of a 60 game season. I don't think it's changing a lot for me. I'm I'm just kind of trying to figure out in this shortened season how much more aggressive our middle pack teams going to be. I would assume that the standings are going to be a lot more clustered at the trade deadline. They would typically be in a longer season just by the sheer nature of a shortened season. I just don't know if there's going to be an overwhelming number of teams willing to add payroll just given the concerns on the financial side that the owners have kind of snuck out there in recent months so it's interesting to think about maybe more teams being active and therefore more opportunities being created by the teams that trade players away and then of course you know having a few players maybe lose some playing time as a result of uh, upgrades arriving at the deadline, but I don't think there's anything going into the shortened season that I'm adjusting for. How about you? Uh, yeah, no, I don't. I don't think it changes too much. I, you know, if we were talking about not having uh, a trade deadline, or I don't know, um, you know, maybe even later, uh, a player like Matt Boyd, maybe I would value him a little bit less because I think he would stand to gain a lot. I know I'm going way out on a, on a limb here saying this, but I think he'd stand to gain a lot by going someplace uh, that's not the Tigers. But um, yeah, generally speaking, it's it's not going to be a big uh, a big factor for me. Um, by the way, uh, so like I said, that came from a tweet from Chris Cotillo of MassLive.com. If you haven't come across it already uh, and you do frequent Twitter, um, check out the thread that that was a part of on uh, on Tuesday uh, because uh, he had all, just a whole list of um, potential rule changes. He talked about teams uh, staggering reporting dates for spring training, whether or not um, – there's going to be exhibition baseball in spring training, which to be honest, DVR, I just assumed there were going to be spring training games. I mean, I figured there's going to be a lot of things they're going to have to work out um, in terms of, you know, playing with distancing and, and uh, you know, having a wet rag and, you know, all that, that was uh, the talk of Twitter on Tuesday in case you missed that. Uh, so I would think that they would want to have exhibitions just to work that stuff out, much less to, you know, simulate games for the, for the players. 
I think you can go through a lot of these tests, though, with intra-squad games. I mean, I think we're going to find out some details about roster sizes and taxi squads soon. A lot of information has been coming out pointing toward maybe a 30-man roster to begin the season and then a roster that gets a little bit smaller uh, as things progress, but still a, a large taxi squad. So if you have all of those players at your facility, you could pretty easily set up two intra-squad games in a day and use those in place of spring training, they're not as good a preparation necessarily because you know, you're going up against the same players frequently, but you are reducing uh, the potential spread of the virus by limiting the number of times your players have to travel. Uh, so you can probably work on a lot of those distancing measures and, and different twists for this season without having exposure to other teams prior to the start of the actual season. Maybe they'll do something where it's mostly intra-squad games and perhaps the last week of this spring training 2.0. Maybe you'll play a team or two that are really close to you geographically. So for a team like the Brewers, maybe they'd play the White Sox or the Twins or the Cubs. But you probably aren't going to send teams much further away than that because I think a big part of this is minimizing travel. Yeah, and it, that was my assumption as well. Like, that wasn't going to be a full-blown exhibition schedule, but yeah, something exactly like what you just described. And uh, according to that uh, Cotillo thread, it sounds like we may see something like that. So, uh, you know, since he seems to uh, have some sources that have some insight on these things, uh, Chris is a good follow anyway. So, uh, you know, maybe consider following him or at least seeking out these threads. Uh, one other question for you, DVR, before we get into uh, a specific issue that's going to pertain to a 60-game season, uh, a lot of debate on social media as to whether or not people would rather have games wind up in ties, uh, again, limiting the exposure and, and you know, therefore limiting the, the time uh, of the game being played. Uh, so would you prefer have, having teams tie or having extra innings go with a uh, begin with a runner on second? Um there was pretty overwhelming support for one of those things. <laughs> so I'm just interested in what you think about that. <sighs> those are my only two options. I, I actually think ties create a few issues. Uh, you know, Having games where wins aren't awarded isn't necessarily a big deal, but I think that creates more questions in the standings and how you'd break those potential standings, ties later on in the season with ties factored in. You know, that becomes an issue. I think I'd rather see the runner on second base. I think it's going to be important to try and reduce the occasional very long extra innings game just to limit wear and tear on bullpens and rosters because players are not going to be as available as they would be in a typical season when you have your full suite of minor league affiliates playing. And I just think one way to reduce the need to get further into your depth is to kind of speed up those extra inning games with that modification. It's not something I want to see in the long run. It's just something that of those options to me makes a little more sense for this shortened season than going with ties. Well, I think we may be part of a small minority based on what I've seen, but um, I, I agree with you 100%. And I, I don't want to see that beyond the 2020 season. But, uh, you know, Michael Beller and I, we talked about this on the Tuesday show, and, and we were both of the opinion that, you know, let's make it wacky. Let's make it fun and interesting and novel and different. This would be a way to do that. Um, I don't feel like doing it for one shortened season you know, destroys the the sanctity of the game. Uh, frankly, I think the game has done enough of that on its own. But um, yeah, no, I I, I like it. I, I hate ties. Um, 
you know, I, I just I, like I think about the NHL standings and they're not intuitive to me and <laughs> they're just not. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd rather I'd rather have that wrinkle added. Uh, so, I mean, we're, yeah, I, I'm not anti ties in sports in general. I just think it's it's too much of a shock to the system for a sport that's never embraced them in America, at least. So if we're talking about long-term changes to the game, if you said one of those things is going to be permanently changed, I would actually choose the ties over the runner on second. But since we're talking about a temporary change and thinking about the goal that we're trying to accomplish, um, you know, I, I think the runner on second actually accomplishes that more effectively. Yeah. Well, okay. We're, we're in agreement there. Uh, well, let's talk about another wrinkle. Um, to the, the 60 game season. And it's something you and I have talked about before, at least I think we have uh, in previous weeks. Uh, and that is the impact on the value of starting pitchers and particularly those who really rely on durability and eating innings to um, boost their value. Um, so, you know, the names that we've discussed before that I'll raise again, Zach Granke, Masson Bumgarner, Jose Barrios, Mike Miner, Zach Wheeler, uh, players that are pitchers that are decent, but not great for strikeouts. And one thing I didn't look into before DVR, when we talked about this question was looking at the pitchers who threw the most innings uh, last season and seeing what proportion of the, of those pitchers, um, you know, are really superb in terms of strikeout rate. And it turns out that about two thirds of them are, um, you know, well above a strikeout per inning. Uh, in fact, in 2019, there were 22 pitchers who threw at least 190 innings and only eight of them um, had a strikeout rate that was below one per inning. So, uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to revisit this with some particulars, you know, kind of make make the conversation uh, a, a little more real, um, you know, a little more actionable, perhaps. So I looked at um, those eight pitchers that threw fewer yeah, I'm sorry, more than 190 innings last year, but uh, averaged less than a strikeout per inning. So they were Zach Granke, Mike Miner, uh, Barrios, Bumgarner, Wheeler, uh, Sandy Alcantara. Uh, let's see, who did I forget? Mike Leak and Marco Gonzalez. And those last two, I don't really think of as being standard mixed league relevant. Um, But I looked at their projected innings from Steamer. And of course, that's based on 162 game season. And then I prorated it by 37% because we're going to, see 37% of a season. So that gives would give Zach Ranky a projection of 74 innings. Same for Mike Miner. Brios and Bumgarner projected for 73 innings. Wheeler and Alcantara, 69 apiece. Mike Soroka, who we could toss into this conversation, projected for 69. Dallas Keuchel, 70 innings. Now, a, a pitcher that would, normal, that would normally project for, say, 170 innings, they'd only really be making one, maybe two fewer starts than those innings eater type pitchers. So generally then is, is that something you would use to maybe devalue your, your, in your rankings uh, or your values for, you know, a Granky, a Bumgarner, one of those type of pitchers? Yeah. I've been trying to figure out if I naturally deflate accumulators anyway. I'm trying not to overcorrect for this because i I think I've sort of play it in a way where I'm aiming for higher skills despite innings risk when I normally approach a full season. Does that make sense? I'm not trying to penalize these guys twice. Yeah. Um, I think accumulators bring risk in that they 
they might accumulate a lot of bad innings. So that's why I look at those guys who might have a, a seven, seven and a half case per nine over 180 innings and, and not see a whole lot there. I'll pull those guys down and I'll push somebody who might be more of like a 100 to 120 innings projected guy over a full season. Maybe doesn't even have a job to begin the year, uh, but has better skills. I might take that shorter, that lower projection player over the higher volume player. So I think it's already a little bit baked in to my approach. Uh, but what, what I do think is going to be interesting is once we once we get updated sets of projections, running those through like the Fangraphs auction calculator and seeing just how clustered some of the valuations become when you start to take away innings pitched and volume as an advantage for some of the top pitchers in the game. Yeah, that'll be interesting. And that's going to be an exercise I think we're going to have to go through very shortly. And uh, a topic we don't really have time for on this show, but I, I'm certainly going to be bringing up in the next, uh, you know, with the next few episodes is how do you even do projections in this kind of scenario, especially early on um, when we don't necessarily know the details of taxi squads or how they're going to be used and that sort of thing. But uh, just to, to wrap up this particular topic, I, I just want to throw out one or you know, a couple of comps here um, and, and just get your, just your feeling about like how valid the comps are. So I looked at Granke and looked at his ratios, uh, his projected ratios, which would put him at around, you know, eight strikeouts per nine innings, about two walks per nine, um, you know, maybe a slightly below average home run or allowed rate. And those ratios pretty much also apply to Joe Musgrove. And yet Joe Musgrove is just outside the top 280 P Granke on fantasy pros is at 52. So, how you know how much of the way towards Joe Musgrove would you consider uh, discounting Granky? Taking account of what, what you said that you already kind of discount a pitcher like him. Yeah, I mean, I think in a season like this, I'm very unlikely to have Zach Grinky at that ADP. But there are plenty of drafts I'm in where he falls because he's old and everyone kind of sees him the same way. So there's probably a point where if he falls, even two rounds off that ADP, which I don't think is totally absurd to think that that could happen. I'm actually pretty interested. I think team context and how pitchers are going to be managed within a game is going to be really important. Uh, even though those projected innings counts are very similar and those skills are very similar, the one thing that Grinky has that some of the more interesting younger pitchers have, I don't know if Musgrove necessarily fits into this description, but say like um, Grinky versus Jesus Lazardo. I still worry about how the A's are going to manage someone like Jesus Lazardo in game. I'm not worried about Zach Grinke in game once he's fully stretched out. Like he can go six, seven, eight, whatever. It, it, they're not going to worry about that. I do think there are still going to be some reservations as it comes to the in game management of a lot of very young pitchers in particular. With Musgrove, I think the bigger hurdle is just being on a team that's not as good. But as we were talking about, with more variance in a shortened season, Maybe team quality actually matters a lot less. So I think Grinky a little below that 52 ADP. I'm interested. Musgrove is a guy that I liked a little bit in that range anyway. Uh, I, I don't think passing on Grinky to get Musgrove is a situation that I would feel great about, though. But it does it does really kind of stick out as two guys who were further apart in value over a full season. And now they might be a lot closer than we ever would have thought. 
Yeah, especially when you consider that Granky, you know, probably is just going to make maybe one more start than Musgrove does. But you, you also, you know, raised a very important point in terms of team quality that you absolutely would not ignore in in your drafts, um, to be sure. So I wanted to throw out a couple other comps, but I'll save those for a future episode. Uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about in the next few weeks. So uh, we'll certainly uh, get around uh, to this again. But uh, before we do sign off here, as always, we have our featured read. And uh, I'm imposing my musical tastes on this one because <laughs> David O'Brien <laughs> had a really neat Q&A with Mike Mills, uh, the bassist from R.E.M. Uh, we actually had uh, his bandmate Scott McCoy on the show a few months back. Uh, really, really neat interview. So check it out from David O'Brien. Q&A, Mike Mills of R.E.M. on his sweet life and hardcore sports fandom. So for Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melchior, and we'll be back here on Fantasy Baseball in 15 again on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs>